0: Eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to the Four Ten Yards Fantasy Football Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast and that is it. Week 16, your championship week is in the books and that is the end of another fantasy season. It's been a weird one, obviously we've battled coronavirus all the way through but we made it without having the uh, the extended season. So Adil, how are you feeling now? It's all said and
0: done. Relieved, sad, all of the above, kind of. Relieved because Despite all of the odds, I managed to bring home two titles this season. I was only in two finals out of the eight leagues that I was in, and um, I managed to bring home two chips. Fantastic. And maybe that is why
1: Rob is not joining us tonight, because uh, he is uh, hanging his head in shame. But uh, I, I don't know, maybe maybe that is the reason. But yeah, like you say, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird feeling at the end of week 16, because obviously we've had those 16 weeks of setting the lineups, doing the waivers, doing the trades, like really, really looking after these fantasy teams. And then it gets to, gets to the end of week 16 and it's all done. It is a little bit of relief because you know that now we can really enjoy the, the NFL without having to, to worry about fantasy at the back of our minds. Week 17. Yeah. There's there's some games that, that won't ma- matter and there'll be um some, some players at the bottom end of the rosters, but there are some games that still need to decide divisions, et cetera, et cetera. So, the first time in, in what seems like forever, we can properly enjoy watching the NFL. And of course, that means player football is just around the corner with the wild card weekend starting the week after. And it's a busy wild card weekend with the additional team uh, playing this year in the playoffs. So, yeah, very mixed emotions coming out of the fantasy season. And like you, Adil, I scooped two championships myself. One was, uh, Last night did it for me, the, the Bills game. Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, oh, that that stack last night. I mean, we, we may as well talk about that game first because uh, because we have just mentioned it. It was uh, one that that we envisaged wouldn't yield too many fantasy points. We didn't think that the New England would do absolutely anything in the game, which which we were correct about. Uh, we predicted that we would see Stidham in the game, which, which we did. And we said that the Bills wouldn't try and run up the score too much, but we, we can't really say that they did that because Josh Allen uh, completed 27 passes, 220 yards for four touchdowns. Three of them, of course, going Stefan Diggs's way for, for 145 yards off, off nine receptions. So a fantastic performance out there from the Bills. At the running back position, it was as murky as, as we thought it might be. Zach Moss getting 12 carries, Devin Singletree getting 10 carries. It was Zach Moss that, that did have the, the, the Russian
0: touchdown there.
1: I, I think this game ex- went exactly how we said it would, apart from um, Stephon Diggs
0: and Josh Allen got a little bit carried away. And oh boy, they did. Yeah. So oh. to, to to give the listeners a little bit of a background, I needed, in full full PPR... 34.8 points from Mr. Stefan Diggs to get me my title. So he, had, he basically had to overcome the points scored by Mr. Mike Evans, who we'll probably mention a little bit later on. And he was just incredible. So was Josh Allen. They were both brilliant. And there is a... he. So they did ask the question to Stefan, is Josh Allen the MVP? And he goes, he is my MVP, which... To be honest, you can see the the confidence, the fun they're having when they're playing the game, because it's the results on the bit uh, on the field uh, definitely uh, show it.
1: Yeah, it's, he's he's living his best life out there in in Buffalo, and. It's is well worth the, the first round pick that Buffalo invested into him, and Minnesota, of course, they've they've landed a little bit lucky in the fact that they've got Justin Jefferson. Who it's very early days. I'm not I'm not going to say that he's he's Stephon Diggs caliber, but he's certainly got that potential, and he's certainly shown flashes this season. So it's it's one of those trades that has worked out for both teams, and certainly for Josh Allen, who spent so much time in the off season. Um, trying out his mechanics and and practicing different methods. And as they were saying in the game last night, he's been able to add 10% onto his pass completion this year, which at 67% will will beat the the Bills franchise record if if he maintains that. So Jim Kelly was there on Twitter praising Josh Allen. It was a truly fantastic performance from the two of them. Stefan Diggs is now the wide receiver, well, he's he's finished as the wide receiver three on the season in PPR rankings. And uh, Josh Allen finished as second, only uh, two points behind Kyler mori So what a season for them. And, and, and where do you think they're going to be drafted next season? Stefan Diggs, you've got to be thinking is a uh, second rounder at the, at the
0: latest. Stefan Diggs has pushed himself into that complete elite category of wide receiver. He is alongside Devontae uh, when it comes to uh, draft position for next year. Um, a position that I'll be interested to see what the ADPs likely will be for the likes of DeAndre Hopkins, because he was always a surefire first round player. But, you know, with Kyler Murray, sometimes he just doesn't, he doesn't hit the echelon. He's not able to have performances for his wide receivers that you'd expect. Um, whereas with Devontae, providing that Aaron Rodgers is still around next season, which I expect him to be fully there. Um DeFonte will always be up there and always scoring a ridiculous number of points.
1: Yeah, and, and Stefan Diggs, just looking at his, his games throughout the season now, it's, it's not as if he's just scored them all in in one game. He's been very consistent throughout the season as well, where DeAndre Hopkins has had big monster games, but has had a couple of stinkers in there as well. So Stefan Diggs has only had, uh, well, the, the worst two games that he's had were 10.8 and 10.9, which... It's still double digits. It's still a very good floor to have. And then from then, it's, it's 14s, 15s, 16s as his floor. And then loads of games is 20. And then the game last night with 41 and a half points was the best of his season to, to finish it out and to win a lot of people's chips. So, yeah, I am all aboard the Stefan Diggs train. And I absolutely love him headed into next season. Him and Josh Allen. Yeah, like you say, Josh Allen firmly put himself on the, the MVP radar. I get well, it has been all season, but um, I think he will get some votes if he gets any mass night. So, we've already mentioned him, and somebody else that we'll talk about who did finish ahead of Stefan Diggs in the, the wide receiver rankings for the season was Devontae Adams, and another fantastic performance again from him in prime time in the snow. I'll take us away with this one.
0: Well, this game was an interesting one. Um, so everyone saw the weather forecast of lots and lots of snow, a reasonable amount of wind, and it being 24 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, I think, about minus four, minus five in our money. <laughs> and I, I've i said this in the past, that Aaron Rodgers, it, the snow doesn't really matter to him. And it showed because Devontae, 12 targets, 11 receptions, 142 yards, three touchdowns. And they completely blew away the Tennessee Titans. And um, I'm going to take a little a small victory lap on um, a stat that I mentioned before the the game in our preview on Sunday. And that was that the Packers were actually ranking, I think, top 11 in um, rushing yards against their defence. And they showed that they're capable of stopping um, Derek Henry, which was which surprised many considering the conditions of the of the, of the um of the game but I wasn't surprised actually because they've been even though they've conceded a lot of points to that position, the yardage that they were actually uh, conceding meant that th- this was definitely not out of the realms of possibility.
1: Yeah, people were remarking Derek Henry in this one to get 200, 250 yards on his way to, to breaking the all-time season record. But no, uh, 98 rushing yards for, for Derek Henry off 23 carries, which considering just how mismatched this game was supposed to be at that position is um, is, a, is a decent total for, for the Green Bay Packers coming out of there. It was actually Ryan Tannehill that, um, that did the damage more so on the ground. He had... Uh, Three rushes, 55 yards and a touchdown on the ground, although it wasn't a particularly great day for him through the air. And that meant his receivers suffered as well. So AJ Brown was kept quiet with only four receptions for 43 yards. Johnny Smith was the one who caught the touchdown, which is something that Packers do not do against the the tight end position. So Johnny Smith went against some of the advice that was given over the weekend because he scored the touchdown, even though it wasn't a prolific day for him through the air. And Corey Davis was held pointless, which, uh, yeah, like you say, victory lap for us because we said that he would not have a good game in these conditions. But even with Devontae Evans having the game that he did, the talking point in this one is AJ Dull. 21 carries, 124 rushing yards and two touchdowns, leaving Aaron Jones, who who had a decent game. He had a 59-yard carry uh, resulting in 10 carries for 94 yards. But yeah, but I wasn't expecting this. Jamal Williams was out, so we thought that, that Aaron Jones was going to have a, a big game there in Green Bay in the snow. But there must be something up with AJ. He must be carrying a knock, or they must know that his time in Green Bay is done with him being in a contract, yes. Because for AJ Dillon to go out, get to get the bulk of the work and to perform the way he did, do you reckon that Aaron Jones will be moving on from Green Bay in the off-season?
0: I see what happened. So um, Aaron Jones has been struggling with a toe injury and that can be quite bad for particularly running backs and wide receivers. Additionally, um, he got this kind of a stinger of a hit on his hip, and he was getting some treatment um, on the sideline. Now, whilst that was happening, AJ Dillon was on the field, and he was playing very well, so they kept him in for a little bit longer and longer and longer because he's playing well. Why wouldn't yeah. they? And then me being... Uh, one of the Aaron Jones uh, fantasy owners, uh, I was uh, screaming for Aaron Jones to come back on the field because I didn't think Diggs would be able to get all those points on Monday on Monday night, which luckily he did. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting because he was on GMFB earlier on this mo- well, in our afternoon. Uh, Aaron Jones was, and the question did get asked to him. They're in talks at the moment. Um, I I think. He may move on, but whether or not he gets, with running backs, whether or not he gets the offer that he wants to actually get is a different thing.
1: Yeah, and we've seen with the running backs of late, uh, players such as McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, they've been paid with the teams that they've been producing for over the last few, few years. Um, not too many running backs have gone out. I suppose Le'Veon Bell was an exception to the rule where he's gone out, he's gone to the Jets and, and got an offer there, but... There's, there's not too many that are going out and, and demanding this big money from teams that they've not had proven success with.
0: So one thing I might add on that, Le'Veon Bell got less money than I think the Steelers were actually offering him. Okay. That, that might have been the case or the, that he probably could have got with the Steelers yeah. prior to the holdout. Yeah. Well,
1: but a uh, silly business decision that has proved out to be to Le'Veon Bell. Imagine if the Steelers had like a fit in form Le'Veon Bell. That would so, you... do, do wonders.
0: Have you heard about the Steelers' news for Week 17?
1: I have indeed. So uh, Mason Rudolph is starting. They are resting Big Ben and maybe one or two others. Uh, is uh, is is what Mike Tomlin has said regarding this one. So they've they've sealed the division. They are going to the postseason. And are they trying something out here, or is it I'd like the saying, just resting Big Ben?
0: Inside, I'm crying a little bit because uh, Colts fan, us being on the eighth seed, we need somebody to lose the Browns Steelers as a chance, so I think they're resting players. Um, I think Cleveland gets in, uh, so I think Colts fans, we're going to be uh, looking at the Bills to beat the Dolphins because I think the Bills really want that second, so yeah, I think, yeah, the Steelers. What a fantastic Perfect. showing
1: it has been for the for the AFC this year with a team potentially missing out on 11 and 5. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So we will head back a little bit in time. But yeah, we're doing this completely the wrong way around. We started with the Monday Night Football and are heading back chronologically, but it does not matter. And we will go to the Pacific Northwest to look at the Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. A low-scoring affair. The, the Seahawks win 29 against the Rams to, to seal the division. Russ... Another quiet day for him. Just 225 passing yards, one touchdown. Although he did have the, the rushing touchdown, which, which did save his fantasy fantasy day a little bit. But advice on the show on, on Sunday was to, to not start any Seattle Seahawk in this one. And really, I think we will we prove right. DK, a quiet day by his standards. He did end up with 59 receiving yards and, and six receptions. But Hollister was the one who got the touchdown grab. Tyler Lockett, again, another quiet, Another quiet game. Uh, Chris Carson, it wasn't even a great day for him. So, proved right, really, a little bit with the Seattle Hawks at all.
0: It was. And I remember a play from that game specifically. So, up until a certain point, DK was not lined up against Jalen Ramsey. And that's when he got his receptions. The first time they, they targeted him when he was lined up against Jalen Ramsey, the play got blown up. And Jalen was like, nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. You are not going to throw to him when I'm covering him. And you can see that the that's what kind of happened.
1: Yeah, I, and we, we saw exactly the same in the uh, the first game of the season. It's It was a quiet day for Metcalf there and I, I was feeling bad about this Week 16 matchup and people relying on DK Metcalf to go out and win them their championship, which ultimately he, he did not do. And, and on the ramp side of the ball, of course, Akers was, was out of this one. And the the carries, as expected, it was a 12-7 split between Darrell Henderson and Malcolm Brown. So not really anything to write home about there with Jared Goff throwing no touchdowns and interception. Cooper Cup, eight receptions, 66 yards was about as good as it got for the Los Angeles Rams. But even Bobby Trees had a a quiet game in this one. Just just no fantasy relevance. And I'd call the whole game a bust, but... We weren't expecting much out of it at all. So it's not really even a bust by definition because of the uh, the lack of expectation from it there. So two teams, yeah, headed to the postseason. We'll see how they get on there, but not much fantasy relevance in this one. However, another game in the late window that did produce more fantasy relevance was the Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this was another NFC title race that did deliver. So the Cowboys eventually ran out 37-17 winners, ending the Philadelphia Eagles' chance of making the postseason. And, yeah, it threw up some surprises. Ezekiel Elliott had 19 carries for 105 yards uh, on the ground and then four receptions for 34 yards. So he um, he put he quietened down anyone who, who was writing home about Tony Pollard, who just had the, the nine carries for for 12 yards on the day, one one reception, eight yards. Zeke, although didn't get the touchdown, he, he came back in and, and had a decent fantasy day, which many people didn't think he'd be able to do. Andy Dalton, his quarterback, had a very good day, even though you probably wouldn't have started him. 377 yards, three touchdowns and interception. But, and this, this is what we, we spoke about on, on the show on Sunday, it's where those receptions are going to go. And now it turned out in this one that you could have played any of the Dallas wide receivers and and been pleased with yourself. Gallup, obviously, the standout with six receptions, 121 yards and two wide wide receivers and two touchdowns. But Cooper had four receptions for 121 yards and and Lamb had a touchdown as well. So does that give us... Oh, I was going to, does, does that give us any indication as to what's going to happen next year or is it still going to be as murky headed into this one? Do we do we think all three of those receivers are going to be in Dallas next year? I think Lamb certainly will be, but Cooper, I think he, he could be somebody who leaves.
0: I think that Cooper may probably stay because if Dak's, well, Dax assuming Dak's going to be back, uh, pardon the rhyme, yeah, I think he stays because I think there's um, a good rapport between the two, actually, from a, a QB-wide receiver combo.
1: And look, when you throw in as many yards as Dak Prescott was on on pace to do at the start of the season, and uh, there's enough work for, for everybody in that offence, but it, it can only help Ezekiel Elliott. And once that offensive line gets rejuvenated, uh, re, re, re-rejuvenated again next year, I think you could get some absolute bargains in your in your fancy drafts for, for Dallas Cowboys. Right. Zeke's going to go lower than he should be doing, um, Dak will be, and those three wide receivers, I think you're going to get some absolute bargains there.
0: And a fun fact about um, Gallup and CD. So I had them in one of my championship teams. Actually, the team that beat Rob by 90 points. Yes, 90 <laughs> points in half-point PPR. So they, and they were sat on my bench. And I beat him by that much. I was really hoping for a 100-point victory. Sorry, Rob. I really Mm -hmm. wanted the curb stomp. But um, if I put them in instead of Bobby Trees, I probably would have got them. They were my wide receiver, I think, two and three on the week, but they were sat on the bench. Yikes. (laughs) Great performance from them in that one. And then we
1: flip over to the other side. And my absolute favourite stat from the, the Philadelphia Eagles is Deshaun Jackson. One reception, eighty-one yards, and a touchdown. And do you know what my favorite bit about this play was? It was the fact that um, the the commentator said, "Yeah, to Sean Jackson. He's uh, he's deceptive at how fast he is." And I'm like, "I'm sorry, what? He, he's built an entire career." out to be fast? <laughs> like that is that is his thing. I I, I I don't know who is who is getting deceived by Deshaun Jackson's speed, but yeah, his stat line average eight to one yards per catch. <laughs> Absolutely love that there. Um, you've you've not started Deshaun Jackson though. We we said no pass catches to start in this one, and yeah, you, you could have fluked and got lucky with Deshaun Jackson, even though it wasn't a, a great PPR day. But we we we'll prove right with everybody else in that pass catching.
0: Yeah, it seems like the wide receiver core in Philadelphia needs a significant bolster uh, in the the off-season because there isn't a lot there for Jalen Hurts to throw to next year because I don't think it's going to be Carson Wentz.
1: No, and and Jalen Hurts, a little bit of a bump back down to earth, so throwing nearly at 50% completion rate. Although he did have 342 yards, he did have a touchdown and two interceptions. And it was his ground game again that, that maybe saved his, his fantasy day. Nine carries for 69 yards. Miles Sanders, 15 carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown there. Uh, touchdown saving his day, really, even though he did have four receptions for 27 yards as well. What I would love to see is Miles Sanders given the, the keys to this backfield next year. And I mean properly. I mean truly. I, I mean Boston Scott and Jordan Howard not coming in and taking 25% of the workload in that backfield. I want Miles Sanders a lot. That is what I want.
0: What I would expect is I would expect somebody to come in as the third down, to be the third down back and Buster Scott may well be that because I don't see many teams nowadays having the guy doing all three downs.
1: No, definitely. And, and Philadelphia have always had that guy, like players like Corey Clement, Darren sprawls are players that have springed off the top of my mind from recently. So, yeah, I think they will need a compliment to, to Mar Sanders, but let's give him the bulk of the work there. We'll look at another game in that Times window, and it's the Carolina Panthers and the Washington football team, which I wrongly said was a 6pm kickoff on uh, on Sunday. I'm not sure where I got that one from, but uh, this marked the end of Dwayne Haskins' time. So, a poor performance from him there, 50% completion rate, two interceptions, and he has since been released by Washington. So, I can't say I'm surprised he was in a little bit of trouble before this from, from the league and from the team. And... I think they only played him in this one out of desperation. Heineke came in and took over from him. Heineke didn't do too badly, to be fair. He did uh, better than Haskins has has been playing. I'm not going to write home about Heineke's Heineke's job, but um, yeah, Dwayne Haskins has not been released, and Washington are looking for a franchise quarterback because Alex Smith, however much I love the guy and respect what he's been through and what he's done, is not the guy. So, Adil, Washington, are they going to make a move for someone like I don't know, Sam Darnold, or well, he, the Jets are unlikely to move on from him now, really. If uh, Trevor Lawrence is, is not the guy,
0: uh, unless they're they're going for Justin Fields. You you never know with um, with GMs these days. Um, what I would say about this situation it all really depends on whether they still make the playoffs, because where their draft position, like. Whether they're able to tra- trade up to get to the earlier positions in the draft, or whether they pick somebody out of free agency or trade for some- somebody who is available, it's, I'm unsure. I, I don't know where this, uh, where the um, the hierarchy of the football team are actually looking and what they're trying to do in that. They've got yeah. pieces at yeah. running back. But they've got pieces at wide receiver. They just need to kind of. And their defense is extremely good, so they just need to finish the puzzle.
1: Yeah, it's a really difficult one for them there. And I think that, well, obviously the receiving performance suffered. Logan Thomas had a decent game, seven receptions, 63 yards, which which we said uh, was a strong possibility for him. But J.D. McKissick, PPR stud, has been all season. He only had the four carries, but he had eight receptions, 77 receiving yards and a touchdown in this one as well. So absolutely top performance from JD McKissick in PPR leagues, finishing as the the running back seven on the week with with 23.2 fantasy points. And Antonio Gibson, he didn't have the best day. Yeah, his, his touches were, were limited in this one, although he still had a fair uh, PPR day with his three receptions there. But, I'm really excited to see that duo of a backfield next year, Gibson and McKissick. Like we just mentioned in, in Philadelphia, the, the one-two punch followed by the, the third down work of McKissick. I think they've got the potential to, uh, and this is a big stretch, but your players like Ingram and Kamara from a couple of years ago in the Saints and, and Gordon and Eckler, they've got, the, they've got the potential to to be that kind of backfield and both support being top 15 top 20 running backs in in the league. I I really do believe that we could see that in one year because they've got an underrated offensive line. So let's get a quarterback in. Let's get Scary Terry and and Logan Thomas firing. And I think we could see some really decent stuff out of Washington.
0: And the really interesting thing is that J.D. McKissick is often on the field at the same time as Antonio Gibson because they actually just put him at wide receiver. He's that good of a pass catcher.
1: Yeah, and while he is in your running back spot and he is receiving passes like that, then sign me up for him in PPR leagues. And then for the Panthers, it was much as we predicted, really. Uh, Mike Davis had a stinker of a game. A touchdown absolutely saved his performance here. He had 28 rushing yards off 14 carries, no work in the passing game. And it was actually Curtis Samuel that led the team in rushing yards, seven carries for 52 yards. And then another 106 for him in the air as well. So, even though he didn't have a touchdown, Curtis Samuel, he did have a very nice day in uh, in all fantasy formats uh, with seven carries there. And that's exactly how we want to see him. We want to see him get carries. We want to see him get targets. And he actually had more carries than targets in this one. But Robbie Addison, again, a touchdown saved his day. And, and DJ Moore, uh, a really quiet day for him there. So Carolina have really petered off a little bit. I don't They've, they, they started OK. Well, they went 0 3. Christy McCaffrey got injured. They won the next three games and then uh, they've gone two and seven since then. So Rule is safe as, as the head coach there. I think I think they just want it to get as high a pick as possible now in the draft and um, look to go again next year. So they need McCaffrey back. It's as simple as that, surely.
0: Yes, he's so key to their offensive kind of capabilities because they use him in both the running game the and the passing game. Um, And it'll help the wide receivers as well because they'll be worried about dump-off passes and they may be able to get the wide receivers more open. The more they spread the ball out will enable their offense to actually get down the field better.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think they won those three games because Mike Davis came and they weren't sure how Carolina were going to play it and it was a little bit unpredictable and that's how they've got their wins but yeah since then it has been a little bit stagnant and oh, I, I say that they, they won this game they, they beat Washington 2013 and Washington we've, we've just been raving about so a little bit unpredictable at this stage of the season but Carolina another team that I am excited to see how they transition into next year and then the final game of the slate was the Ugh, toilet bowl of the AFC West, the Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Chargers. With the Chargers scraping out a nineteen sixteen win in this one, <laughs> not much to talk about from him at all. Justin Herbert, he's had a real disappointing end to the to the fantasy season. Uh, Two hundred fifty three yards and a touchdown in this one. He people would have been relying on him. I say disappointing. It was it was just shy of, of twenty fantasy points for him, but when you've got players like Mitch Trubisky, who you are scooping off the waiver wire, who are getting three, four, five points more than that. It's, it's, it's not the guy that that you had earlier on in the season. And then, of course, on the other side, Drew Locke, another player who had a week saved almost by a Russian touchdown, but a couple of interceptions in this one. And we're going to be asking real questions now, Denver, about what they're going to be doing at the quarterback position as well. It's It's funny how this time last year... We were saying that the, well, just after the draft, all teams were set at the quarterback position, and there was no quarterback needy teams. But there is a lot headed into this off season.
0: The most definitely is, and it's going to be really interesting to see the QB scramble. Pardon the pun. <laughs> Another one. Um, so it's going. To, yeah, I I really don't know where what some GMs are thinking this this off season because the The quarterback play from some of these guys has been just not quite to the level that you'd expect it to. Okay, his number one receiver, um, for uh Drew Locke hasn't been there, Cortland Sutton, because of injury. Um, and they've and their running back room seems to be quite stable because they've got both the guys in Philip Lindsay and Mel Melvin Gordon. And and when you when you also think the the defensive side, they're a little bit more stable. They. Could, do you think they could move on? From I don't Drew, think they do.
1: As no. in pu- push on
0: better or move on from Drew Lock. Yeah, move on from Drew Lock. I don't think they do. I think they continue on and give them one more or part of one more.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the age-old question. What do you do? Do you build the team and then just slot the quarterback in as the last place? Or do you, do you build the team around the quarterback and, and risk having something similar to, to Donald and Rosen happen where they struggle in the first few years, get the confidence shot? Or do you just add the, the quarterback in as the last piece? It's, it's the age-old question. And um, it, it could be either one for, for for Denver. Because they invested all of their all of their picks this year into that offense. So it, there's, there's rookies absolutely everywhere. Obviously, Jerry Judy is, is the main guy. And I think he will have a much better chance of stepping up next year when he has got Cortland sort of playing opposite him, like you said. And that will help in turn the running game. And that will in turn help Drew Locke. So it's a recipe, just a bad season all round for them. But I'm not as confident of them stepping up next year. But I think a lot of certainty certainty will be cleared up when uh, we find out who their quarterback is going to be.
0: So one thing, I think people were saying similar things about Josh Allen a couple of years ago when he was uh, quite inaccurate and so so is Drew Locke. So it's whether Drew Locke makes that step up in his accuracy will determine whether he has a longevity in this league and whether there's longevity with the Broncos.
1: Yeah, and Josh Allen's proved that it can be something that's fixable. He can work on it. And And Drew Locke, I've, I don't think he's quite as good as a, a rusher as Josh Allen, but Drew Locke has got that rushing ability. He did get that rushing touchdown in this one, which if you can keep defences guessing and, and keep them, uh, if you can keep them honest, then um, he has got the chance to. And w- With better options next year, yeah, maybe, maybe they do give them another go, but um, I would not be surprised to see them make it, but we will wait and see. So, headed into the early slate games, and we will first look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and this is not one that we expected. We predicted that the Kansas City Chiefs would have blown the Falcons out of the water in the first half of the game, but no, they did not. And it came down to Young Ku missing a... Field goal to tie the game as as the seconds came off the clock at the very end, which he's been money this year, and it was almost a little bit too close because he's been smashing through the fifty yarders, and it was a, a shorter field goal that he did miss, and you can see on his face he he was like, have I honestly missed that? He he was shocked himself. He wasn't. It was more shocked than the, than disappointed, but of course the Chiefs the Chiefs did win. And Patrick Mahomes again, like uh, Herbert, is someone that you perhaps would have thought would have this monster fantasy game in Week 16, but he was restricted to less than 20 fantasy points in this one. Tyreek Hill, as as we kind of predicted, was was kept a little bit quiet. He only had the six targets, four receptions, and 65 yards. McCall Hardman didn't quite have the game that that, that we build him to have, but it was Travis Kelsey again that. Uh, that had the style of day, 13 targets, only seven receptions, but 98 yards and a touchdown. And Travis Kelsey going into drafts next year. The stats that he has put up this year are wide receiver numbers. They are comparable with wide receivers. And we've got to be looking now at Travis Kelsey, not even in a tight end premium league, to be going in the first couple of rounds because of how good he's been this year.
0: I think he's pushed himself most definitely into um, first round contention, being... Basically, just after the first few running backs, who are obviously a premium, he's incredible as a player. Um, I think this week he broke the single season yard tight end record and props to him. Incredible, talented player. And he's got Mahomes again next year. So it's just going to be more and more production from him.
1: Yeah, it's... It's going to be a weird week for the Chiefs next week, so I'm not sure how much he will go out. But he's he's currently on 1416 receiving yards, 11 touchdowns, and he, he could easily get another 100 yards and touchdown next week as well. Which they are very good wide receiver numbers. Like if you saw that as a wide receiver, you think yeah that is a top wide receiver in the league. But this is from the tight end position, and this this is what makes players valuable is the fact that. They are so set against the rest of the pack, and and Travis and George Kittle and Darren Waller next year, they won't have seasons quite as good as that, but they'll, they'll have decent ones. But then the drop off after those three is so drastic that people are going to go all out and get and get Travis Kelsey. in. I think quite easily he could be a back end pick in uh, sorry next year easily on the other side of the ball. The Atlanta Falcons backfield is still a absolute mess. Ito Smith lead carrying this one with 10, Brian Hill with 7, Todd Gurley with 4. I am not touching that with a barge pole. I am not drafting that next year. And unless they bring in an absolute stud such as Aaron Jones, which I highly doubt, uh, I am not going near that backfield ever again. But the receiving position at Calvin Ridley, once again, just reconfirming his position now as a wide receiver one in this league. Five receptions, 130 yards, and uh, that was off nine targets. Although his only carry went for uh, for minus seven yards. It, it wasn't a monster PPR day for, for Calvin Ridley, but it's just one of those solid days where he got the job done. He got you a lot of fantasy points, and he, he's certainly not missing Julio Jones in that offence. Hayden Hurst got the touchdown grab as, as well as Laquan Lequ- Treadwell, but uh, not too much else to discuss from the, the Atlanta Falcons' point of view, apart from maybe Matt Ryan. So and, I know Tim tweeted today that um, we could see him out to San
0: Francisco. What are, what are your thoughts on that one? Hmm. So Matt Ryan's contract is quite long. I think it's got an out in 2022, from my knowledge. I've had a discussion with some other podcasters regarding... So both him and Julio have have contracts which kind of match each other's timing. So I don't see these guys... uh, The only way Matt Ryan isn't a falcon is that he is retired. That's my opinion. But I could be eating my words soon.
1: Yeah, Matt Ryan is contracted through 2023, actually. So... A long time in, in Atlanta. But we've got the Kyle Shanahan connection. I, I just I do not know how San Francisco are going to <laughs> absorb that contract in any way while they're paying Jimmy G. But um, yeah, Tim suggested that Atlanta might draft a quarterback because their draft pick is getting higher and higher week on week, 4 and 11. Yeah, Raheem Morris. When he came in, they they won quite a few games in in the first few that he was in charge, and they've, they've fallen off a cliff again. And the Falcons lose in the most Falcons way possible. Obviously, losing that game because Gurley scored a touchdown. Young Kwae Ku's miss in this one because he's been money this year. It's, it's been a really difficult season for them. But yeah, an interesting one. But not too much else to talk about from the Falcons from a fantasy perspective. Okay, and then we head to Florida to look at the Chicago Bears and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Bears absolutely blew the Jags out of the water on this one. The Bears, of course, in charge of their own playoff destiny, and yeah, they uh, they did it in style. So Mitch Trubisky, he was a uh, he was a guy to start in this one. He had two hundred and sixty-five passing yards, two touchdowns, and interception, but he did have a rushing touchdown as well, which certainly helped his his day. David Montgomery, another fantastic day for him. Twenty-three carries, ninety-five yards, a touchdown, and then two receptions for, for twenty-six yards as well. He is going to be—he's going to be good next year. I'm, I'm going to be drafting him in more places certainly than I did last year. Uh, Alan Robinson had a, a great day: ten receptions, one hundred three yards. But Jimmy G, two touchdown receptions. Where's that come from?
0: Like. Who started Jimmy G this weekend? I don't think anybody did. No. Um, everyone was on the comet train. He was being targeted more and more. And then he vultured some touchdowns because nobody expected that. Nobody expected him to be uh, in half point, tight end one on the week. Yeah.
1: Who? who called that? Nobody called that. They yeah, have four receptions, six, nine yards, two touchdowns. Uh, great day from Jimmy Graham. A Little bit of a throwback for him, but uh, I was expecting Kumet to have have the game here. And he could have at least three and one to Allen Robinson, but hey ho, still a decent day for A Rob in the end. And then we look at Jacksonville. So Mike Glennon was back in the lineup. You were not starting him in fantasy, even though he did throw a couple of touchdowns, he threw a couple of interceptions as well. Dare and was the was the lead back in this one, carrying the ball 14 times, 71 yards, and then three receptions for, for seven as well. But it's the wide receivers that, that we need to take a look at here. DJ Chart and LaVisca Chanel Jr. both getting seven targets in this one. DJ with four receptions, 62 and a touch. And Visca for five receptions, 48 yards and a touch. And Rob, Rob called LaVisca. Credit to him. He, he called that one. And DJ Chart we, we described as being a little bit hit and miss. But how good are these
0: guys going to be with Trevor Lawrence next year? Jags fans are going to be very, very happy yeah. with the potential production from DJ Chark and LaVisca Chanel. Um, uh,
1: LaVisca, you've got to be using him like uh, Curtis Samuel there in Carolina, giving him a couple of carries again, giving him the targets as well. But even even guys like Keenan, Keelan Cole uh, are decent options in the offense. So. Trevor Lawrence is going to come into a a sneaky, nice offense with with James Robinson back there. So get him a couple of pieces on the offensive line like Miami did. And I like this Jags team next year. Well, certainly the
0: offense. Yeah, I don't know about the defense. That's the thing. Yeah, The other side of the ball may struggle. When you're putting high draft capital into the offensive side, then you can't put that capital again in the defensive side. So you've got to potentially plug some of those gaps uh, through free agency.
1: Which they've got a lot of cap space heading into next year, so. But again, it's it's trying to find the, the right people in free agency because um, some of the players that have left Jacksonville very recently have had very toxic exits. Um, I'm thinking players like Ngakwe, for example. So, are they going to attract the free agents? That's that's my, my biggest question. If there's if there's something fundamentally wrong in that organization. Um, Players talk. These things will get round. Players are not going to want to go to Jacksonville. So I think they might struggle to to, to get the the free agents there. So everything's going to have to be done in the draft. But like you say, they aren't going to be able to to draft everywhere. So it will be interesting to see how they split that. And then we will look at the team that they stole the the first overall pick off. And that is the New York Jets, who... (laughs) Who are making a late playoff punch? If the uh, <laughs> if they'd have been in the NFC, they wouldn't have been if they'd have been in the a- NFC East, they wouldn't have been far away at all. But um, no, they are in the, the AFC East and uh, nine wins still away from the from the playoffs. But yeah, the New York Jets winning out winning the against the, the Cleveland Browns 23 16. And the Browns struggled. We we said they would. But they didn't run the ball like like we said they would either. Like Baker threw the ball fifty three times in this one, which if if we consider the fact that they had their top four receiving options out of this one, and that that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were going to be the, the 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 only offensive guys in this one, I, I find that so difficult to to comprehend. And Baker only completed twenty eight for them, no touchdowns, no interceptions and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt only combined for 15 carries. I, I just can't understand it, and I, I get that they were playing from behind, they were 13-3 at the half, but that's not an unassailable lead, and you can still rely on your on your running game to, to, to pull that one back.
0: One thing about the Jets is, is that their rush defence isn't as bad as their record is. They've attempted- to give more away in the passing game, but okay. If so, now accounting for last this week's game, they're actually ranked in the top ten for rushing yards per game against them. So that may have kind of led the Cleveland Browns to do that because they know that this defense doesn't give up. Give up as much.
1: Yeah, I get that,
0: but it seems to me that
1: they didn't try. Like granted, um, Chubb and Hunt both had yards per carry of uh, of two point five, but that includes some red zone work as well. So, which is it? Which is always going to reduce their, which is always going to reduce their yards per carry. So we, we can't take them at their face value. But then we look at the, the passing game and Austin Hooper. He spent a better time playing as the the X receiver in this one. He led the team with with fifteen targets. Uh, Jamarcus Bradley was the the second highest target leader in this one with eleven. I must admit, I'd, I'd never heard of Jamarcus Bradley until until this weekend. No offense to you, Jamarcus, but um, again, that was the situation that the Cleveland were in. I just don't understand when you've got Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, David and Andy Yanovich, that offensive line, why you aren't trying to run the ball more often. But hey ho. There we go. So uh, Cleveland, disappointing day all around there. And Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, their days were only salvaged by... It. But then we look at the New York Jets side of things. Jameson Crowder, what a touchdown he threw. Yeah, that was uh, a special touchdown to... Was it Braxton Berrios? Yeah, it was it was Braxton yes. Berrios that he, uh, that he threw the touchdown to... Uh, Sam Darnold also threw a couple as well. So, uh, Jameson Crowder also had a receiving touchdown as well as on seven receptions for 92 yards. So, a really nice fantasy day for for Jameson Crowder. Another player that has been criminally underrated this season, Jameson Crowder. Uh, He's he's had a sneaky good season in the games that he's played. He's not played every week, that's for sure. But you don't automatically think of the Jets when you go to fantasy studs. But Crowder's had a a nice season. Herndon getting a, a touchdown grab as well. But the the running back room was disgusting in this one. So Frank Gore fourteen carries, Michael P Ryan nine, Ty Johnson two. So I didn't want to see all three of those together. Obviously Ty Johnson um, broke out a couple of weeks ago, but Frank Gore took the backfield back off him, and Michael P Ryan has not helped this situation at all. So again, unless unless they bring a stud into the room next year. I'm not liking any anything to add on the New York Jets adult before we move.
0: So looking at Jameson Crowder, if we look at his full season stats, I'm going to take it for points per game in half-point PPR. He's um, wide receiver 18 for points per game. So actually don't sleep on him. Uh, I don't know what his contract situation is like, but um, he could be half-decent again next season.
1: Yeah, and he's, he's missed time this year, so uh, certainly will be a bargain in your drafts next year. So we look at the New York Giants and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Ravens got ahead very quickly in this one. They did score 20 points by half-time, so it was um, it was all but done. Uh, Lamar, they didn't need to lean on him too much. He only threw the ball 26 times, but he did manage to get two touchdowns in that, and he also carried the ball for, for 80 yards. Gus Edwards, he outcarried JK Dobbins in this one 15 to eleven. but although it was JK Dobbins that, that did get the touchdown. And J.K. Dobbins has been a player that we've we've hyped up over the last few weeks because he's slowly been getting more and more dominance in this backfield. He did miss a little bit of time on the COVID list. And ever since then, really, Gus Edwards has has lingered like a, a bad smell in the air. And Gus Edwards had a better receiving work as well, uh, more so than, than J.K. Dobbins. So are we looking too much into that or is J.K. Dobbins going to up that backfield for his own next year?
0: I actually think it will continue to be a little bit of a running back by committee. They clearly rate Gus Edwards. Like if you look at his rushing figures for that game, 15 for 85. So that's 5.7 a carry. OK, uh, J.K. Dobbins was at seven yards a carry. They're still both very good numbers. They're going to if they're going to be such a run heavy team again next year they they're not going to do it with one back, it's going to be two. That's just how I think.
1: Yeah, and it's a team that that should be running the ball a lot of times. They ran the ball forty times in this game, which is how Balt it's how Baltimore built. And obviously, they have got Lamar Jackson there, who when he's he's rushing like that, gives him the ability then to 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 utilize the passing game a little bit as well. So there's Bryant. Caught a touchdown. He he threw up the X as did Hollywood Brown, who were both questionable going into into the game. Uh, Mark Andrews had a, a a decent game as well, with six receptions for seventy six yards. So Baltimore, I don't think they're ever going to be prolific in fantasy. Obviously, Mark Jackson was was great last year, but that was mainly his rushing work. So um, I'd, I'd temper your expectations headed into next year, but obviously we will look at it closer to the time. But then the New York Giants, oh, yeah. What was the what it was? Nah. We weren't calling any fireworks here from a fantasy perspective. Daniel Jones, we, we weren't starting him, and he he didn't really have the best of days. When Gorman only had six carries in this one, like I say, the, the Giants got behind quickly, and Daniel Jones threw the ball 41 times in the end. Sterling Shepard was actually the main beneficiary of this. He had nine receptions, 77 yards at a touch, and Evan Engram had a, a nice enough day as well with seven seven receptions for 65 yards say Pettis cropped up with a couple of grabs uh, obviously him there uh, in New York after after being released by the, the San Francisco 49ers but Darius Slayton, he has he's really just, he was tipped to have a breakout season but it's just not happened and I, uh, I I really need to see a lot from him now to to get back on his train anything to add for the New York Giants or are they just going to have to wait now to get new uh,
0: Saquon Barkley back next year I think it's just wait for next season, see. So uh, I saw something interesting about the New York Giants. Was they could either be in the playoffs or they could have. I can't remember what pick in the draft in the top five or something like that. It was so silly. It's it's astonishing, but that's what the NFC least is like.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's difficult. I like, I don't think. Of course, the team has got the ability to to have the upset in the, the wild card round, but um, I don't think they will. And to, to have a playoff spot and to cost you that much draft capital is going to be really tough East. And then the final game of the slate, we look at the Indianapolis Colts and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I do apologise, we do have to cover this one, uh, but the Pittsburgh Steelers did run out 28-24 winners in this one. Big Ben threw the ball 49 times, which could be the reason why he's getting rested next week. And he did throw uh, three touchdowns in this one, actually. So uh, not too bad a day for, for Ben in fantasy. Although you probably won't have started him unless it was a super flex league. James Connor cropped up with a rushing touchdown. Where's he come from? Not seeing him for quite a few weeks, but uh, it wasn't exactly a great day for him. Five carries, 20 yards, although he did have five receptions for 45. Uh, Benny Snell... <laughs> Six carries, zero yards. This is just another backfield that is a horrendous minefield. And I'm not touching it next year. I'm, I'm washing my hands of it. I, I can't predict it. And unless they make moves,
0: I'm not touching this backfield. Are you, Adel? I think the really difficult thing is that their offensive line really doesn't create holes for their running backs. It's, And this is a surprising thing because Pittsburgh is known for rushing the ball. Yeah,
1: yeah. They are indeed, and Big Ben obviously he's had to tailor his game a little bit as late as his elbow injuries hampered him and he's he's lost that that deep ball ability. But Juju Schuster and Deontay Johnson cropped up. Juju has been such a bust this season. And here he here he pops up 13 targets, 96 receptions and a touchdown, and similar stats for, for Deontay Johnson. What's the quarterback situation going to be in Pittsburgh next year? Because both of these guys are super talented players. I'm not sure we will see Juju in Pittsburgh again next year, but that's a different conversation for a different podcast. But Deontay Johnson has got the ability to, to step up now and be the 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 2019 Chris Godwin, the 2020 Calvin Ridley. It could be 2021 Deontay Johnson if he sorts out his drops and, and sorts out the injuries, which I know is a little bit harsh to say, but he, he could be that guy. But he, he needs a reliable quarterback throwing in the ball.
0: Who will be throwing in the ball next year? It won't be nice Rudolph. (laughs) I just don't think he's quite got it. Um, I think Big Ben has one more year in him and then he's done. And I think it's unfortunate for the Steelers fans and for those wide receivers. But they're going to get PPR work, dink and dunk. Yeah,
1: and the Steelers are going to have to look at the draft now. And if you look at what the the Ravens have done, the, the Packers, the Eagles, and going at the back end of the first round, Ravens hit on Jackson. Eagles, it's very early days, but could quite have easily hit on Hurts. And obviously, if you go deeper, the, the Cowboys have hit on back recently as well. So there is talent to be had out there for the Steelers. And I certainly do think they will address the, the quarterback position in this draft. And then finally, we look at the Indianapolis Colts and Jonathan Taylor take a bow. Another fantastic day against a tough Pittsburgh Steelers run defence. Two touchdowns on the ground. JT, I absolutely love you. And I will be, I'm going to say, overdrafting you next year, but I don't even think it will be because I think you will have a very decent year. So go on, Adil. Forget the loss and wax lyrical about the Colts for a little bit. Um, I I, I was
0: preparing for a rant. No. Because positivity. a, A rant which Jonathan Taylor played so incredibly well in that first half. Like, I was dancing around my bedroom, watching that game, thinking, this is brilliant. We are absolutely blowing out the Steelers. And then all of a sudden, the play calling just turns to absolute rubbish. And even uh, Frank Reich said that his play calling was bad after the game because they got away from what they should have been doing, which was pounding the rock, and they didn't do it. Jonathan Taylor could easily have been one of those players that got 25 plus points in this in this week and he didn't because they just there were get there were plays which were called for runs and then philip rivers checked checked out of them and then the steelers actually uh, what they did was they showed that they were rushing uh, they were trying to stop the rush and then they dropped back into coverage and went three and out three and out three and out so many times which is what let the steelers back into the game and they just needed to continue just actually not doing that and actually running the ball because he was so good. Yeah, he, he really, really where They should have just carried on, carried on,
1: carried on. But Jonathan Taylor has finished as the running back seven on the season PPR. And that is, uh, he, he missed a game on the COVID list. Um, so he, he would have got a little bit closer to, to Kamara and, and Henry up there as well. But a fantastic season from Taylor. And he's not even had the, the bulk of the work until the second half of the season. So next year, I am so, so, so excited to see JT
0: there. So one thing that's really interesting from a backfield perspective for next uh, season is um, obviously Marlon Mack has lost his contract year to injury and I'll be intrigued to see whether he signs again with the team. If he does, that will hit the draft capital of JT, purely because that will make the backfield even murkier. With the injury to Malamak, it will reduce the amount he's able to actually get in free agency if he were to not re-sign with the Colts, so therefore really just check, keep checking what's going on in the league and see what happens over this off-season yeah definitely
1: free agency in- yeah
0: so that concludes the sunday games so Adol,
1: it leaves me to ask who was your fantasy mvp for week 16
0: i can't go away from the man of the moment the the one that I had my lovely gloat with on uh, Sunday's show it was alvin kamara it, it i don't think it can be anybody else it's a it's an nfl record especially during the championship week um, tweet us if you've managed to beat him with uh, beat him uh, as the opposition because 155 yards, six touchdowns, three receptions for 17 yards, 54.7 points in PPR. It, there's nobody else, unfortunately. I, I think that's the consensus MVP of the week. And then there are kind of MVP lights in um, Stefan Diggs and uh, Devontae Adams. Yeah, although
1: I am going to go for the, the wide receiver 3 on the week for my MVP and um, with 40.1 fantasy points in PPR leagues that is Mike Evans who uh, who played on Boxing Day. He stayed in the game for ever so long, 10 receptions, 181 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Fantastic job from Mike Evans. And people said that um Tom Brady can't throw the ball deep. Mike Evans is a is a go receiver so mike evans this year he got 10 receptions. mike evans can run every tree in the route and a fantastic performance here and i love that he stayed until the very end of this game so brady benched at half time but but evans was in all the way to, to rack up his his receiving stats and of course that helped fantasy managers everywhere
0: hands up if you managed to beat him yes i did <laughs> 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 so i was very happy but uh yes incredibly good performance um and uh let's see what he does uh, throughout the the fantasy off season and the, into the postseason okay but we will now flip it over so adult who was your bust of the week my bust of the week actually is the man who laid a lovely goose and that's going to be cory davis because i think people were expecting even though we Faded him in our podcast or live cast on Sunday. Playing a goose in a championship week when people are most likely going to be playing you is um, just awful. And there's nothing, obviously, the Fantasy owner can do about it, but it speaks for itself.
1: Yeah, it does indeed. And Corey Davis, he's been money this year. And the only other game that he, he scored less than 10. Uh, PPR fantasy points was against Chicago, where he scored no points. So that is twice this season that he, he, he's laid a goose egg now, which uh, a little bit unforgivable there. And I say that I'll be drafting him next year. But uh, yeah, Chase uh, Corey Davis, not a great day. And I say Chase because I am going for for Chase Edmonds, the running back there in Arizona. It's it's he has been taking a lot of work off off. Kenyon Drake, especially in the receiving game, and there's been many a week where he has actually scored him in PPR leagues. But Chase Edmonds in this one, 2.8 fantasy points. And he wouldn't have been starting in, in too many places, but um, I expected him to, to do okay against the San Francisco 49ers because of his, his receiving work. But no, three targets, two receptions, no carries. Terrible. Okay, and that concludes the show, and that is our final week review show of the year. We will next week be doing a live stream that is a fantasy award show. So keep your eyes peeled for details of that. And then we will be having some DFS content into the playoffs as well to keep your fantasy needs tingling. So, Adil, for the final time on the Fantasy Week Review Show, where can we find
0: you on Twitter? I can be found at Dilly Toon. Uh, find me on there. You'll be seeing me rant about multiple sports, but particularly the NFL, as I watch almost every single game. So see me on there, and um, we'll have lots of conversations about what's going on in the league. Wonderful. And you can find me at Dav underscore
1: F10Y. And of course, head over to www.410yards.com where we have got everything going on from college to NFL to betting to Britball to, of course, fantasy. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, make sure you are subscribing. Make sure you like us. Give us a review, some sort of feedback. And we will
0: see you this time next week.
1: You've been listening to the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at F10Y Fantasy and over on our website ww.full10yards.com where we cater to all of your American football needs from NFL General, Fantasy Football, College Football and even Britball. Thanks for listening and remember folks, keep those eyes peeled.